it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Hello, Hoosier fans. Thank you so much for tuning into the Often Daunted podcast. I'm so sorry for taking the weekend. Uh, took Labor Day, but uh, I'm back. I'm back after uh, two weeks here on the Often Daunted podcast. And I got to say, football has sparked life back into my sports fandom. And I'm ready to talk some Hoosier basketball for any of you willing to listen today. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to say uh, thank you to everyone who uh, continues to listen. Uh, the numbies have been on the climb, despite this being the off season. So uh, right off the bat, I just wanted to thank any of all you, any and all of you out there doing the legwork, telling your family and friends about the dipshit Homer uh, you'll listen to when craving each last drop of Indiana content out there. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't appreciate it enough, guys. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, that does help out. Um. Yeah, and without further ado, let, let's just get right into it for you. Here's that national news for you. All right, a lot to catch up with these uh, two weeks of coverage. Um, but let's start with how Purdue football looked after listening and reading all their bullshit all summer. After, I mean, what had to be the most hyped season in Purdue history despite a first-year head coach, uh, the Boilermakers made that a week one loss, 39-35, to to Fresno State. That was the most a uh, Power 5 program spent on a loss in that week one, with uh, Purdue forking over $1.35 million in, I mean, revenue or payout to uh, Fresno State for the right to, uh, yeah, get whooped. Yeah, get beat by four, but still. They got the dub at Virginia Tech week two, so I guess credit there. Enough with Purdue football. As for Indiana... Um, I don't talk much Indiana football. I leave that to the bright minds of Brandon, Michael, and uh, producer Seth over at the uh, LEO podcast. But I just wanted to say, yikes, Walt. Grow a pair, man. He showed something against ISU, but who won it? I mean, he showed something, but it was arguably the same exact game plan, just against the exact opposite end of the talent spectrum. Um, So I'd love to see Walt just uh, try something and... uh, (laughs) When we have a real opponent, well, I guess we'll see if he discovered anything new in his bag. And uh, despite Purdue's tough start, despite Indiana losing to Ohio State, both those programs are doing so much better than Michigan State right now. Um, Mel Tucker suspended, uh, head co- head football coach. Yeah, I'm talking a little football, you guys. I just can't help it. Mel T- Tucker, uh, Michigan State head coach, is uh, being suspended without pay during an ongoing uh, sexual har- harassment investigation. And the details are gross. I don't really feel like sharing them. So, yeah. I mean, uh, sounds like he's done for. As one of the highest paid coaches in all of college sports, sounds like, sounds like he's uh, done at Michigan State. One story I just wanted to share with everybody on the show was a uh, report I saw on ESPN this, this last week. <clears throat> and uh, per ESPN, a peer-reviewed study by UCLA researchers found that perception can be influenced by the associations made between numbers and size through the brain's cognitive process. The study, which will be published this week in the journal PLOS One, exposed subjects to images of different jersey numbers to measure their perception of the person wearing it. 
The smaller the number, the more likely the subject was to perceive a slimmer player. We were surprised that there is a connection, and then even more surprised that the connection is so robust, said Ladan Shams, a cognitive neuroscientist who is a professor of psychology, neuroscience, and bioengineering at UCLA. Shout out future Big Ten. Big Ten brain right there. Shams said, it's not just when we contrasted large numbers with small ones. When we looked at the relationship between the ratings of size and slenderness and the numbers, and we did a very small range, like from 17 to 19, we see a very robust correlation. I have always said number matters. And uh, I'm glad to see that the scientists are doing the, doing the work that needs done, you know? <laughs> I need to see that all these sports gimmicks and all these sports superstitions that we have are somewhat validated and uh, needed. The, the, the small stuff matters. And uh, apparently at UCLA, they're doing the work that needs done to prove that for everyone. Basically, yeah, smaller numbers, you look faster. Just, a, just an interesting uh, study I wanted to share this week. Speaking of studies, Cal and Stanford to the ACC was last week. I haven't talked to you since then. Uh, without, it, It's pretty insane that uh, the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, Conference is now the All-Coast Conference. Cal and Stanford joining... Uh, I mean, it, it, the, the terms of their agreement are pretty brutal in that uh, Cal, Stanford, and SMU are joining. SMU has decided to forego any payment whatsoever re in regards to the TV contracts for 10 years, I believe. And it sounds like Cal and Stanford will be sh uh, splitting one single share of that uh, for nine years with the 10th for review. And that is wild, wild shit. That just tells you, I mean, yeah. There honestly hadn't, there couldn't have been much interest by the Big Ten from these two schools, or else they wouldn't have taken such a poor, poor deal if they had any other options. You guys have heard the stories about it all. I'm not going to tire you out of here on the podcast, just uh, combing over the same details that ESPN has just been talking about all week. And uh, sadly, I mean, it looks like the ACC is lining up to be that third fiddle conference. Uh, no, the Big 12 probably. Even then, this seems like a desperate attempt to uh, try to throw themselves in there in the Big Ten SEC conversation, but got to try a little harder than Stanford and Cal. In local Indiana news, uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I, I included it in the national stories because it's the Pacers, but the Indiana Pacers unveiled a sick new outdoor court for fans and Indy natives just outside of Gainbridge. It's a glass roof pavilion, real nice, uh, real cool to see, just another new addition to uh, that stretch of the city. John Rostein reported this week. Something very interesting, I mean, just considering how ludicrous the transfer portal has gotten. John Rothstein reported this week that the NCAA has only approved 18% of waivers for anybody trying to become immediately eligible following their second transfer. And following that, Ant Wright, who, I mean, follow him. I, 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 I love his stuff. He, he can be brutally honest sometimes, but I like it. Uh, he, uh, he critiqued it a bit, just saying, man, these kids keep trusting the wrong people to advise them. And it is so dangerous for these guys because they, they're always promised greener pastures. But, I mean, the NCAA has only approved 18% of those access to those pastures. Everyone is so ready to see what's on the other side. But sometimes you get, I mean, yeah, yeah. Some of these guys are jumping before they know that they can land. It's sad to see, honestly. And you have to imagine there's somebody in their ear just not making the best call for them, not weighing the potential consequences of everything they're doing.
And I'm not saying that's on the kid to do. That's on the kid to uh, have people to trust, to, uh, I mean, guide him in the right way on that. That being said, I've never, like, had the opportunity. Nobody's ever said, hey, whispered in my ear, come play for us for a bag of money. <laughs> I imagine that's pretty tough to turn down. Uh, just make sure you have access to it before you go running after it. God. And hopefully slow down the transfer portal just a little for us. In other national transfer news, Marcus Adam Jr., the uh, last of the substantial dominoes to fall out of the transfer portal, uh, seems to be heading to BYU this coming season. And that is interesting considering that uh, Marcus Adams was a a pretty highly touted transfer out there. And uh, BYU just recently, I think they had NIL problems landing another one. Uh, So interesting to see uh, or just hear what BYU had pitched Marcus Adams comparatively but another one down guys I think I think teams might be set and you, nope we actually have more uh, pretty soon regarding that <laughs> regarding Kentucky sorry uh after, but after this uh, Austin Schwartz who was a target of ours uh, in the class of 2024 has committed to Miami it's a, I mean you hate to see it, but uh, we're still holding out for the three that we just had arrive on campus this last weekend. Um, it's all right if we couldn't promise Austin Schwartz the world as long as we land some of these guys. But on to that uh, roster set story. Uh, with a 94.5 acceptance rating at the University of Kentucky, Admissions was still able to put a bullet in Calipari's roster. The uh, seven foot two Croatian center Zvonimir Ivasic, Ivasic has been denied admission into UK. And if you like, he I, I believe he was denied admissions under the uh, minimal English requirements. But that being said, this guy speaks four languages, and uh, Kentucky is saying he does not clear their minimal English requirements. But you can watch videos of him. Uh, seems to have his wits about him and seems to speak pretty dang great English comparatively. This is telling me these these uh, admissions requirements, man, first Michigan. Michigan's one thing because they consider themselves like the Ivy League of the Big Ten. But to see Kentucky, Kentucky admissions <laughs> holding the line in the face of the basketball team's influence is insane. I thought Kentucky admissions was quarterbacked by Calipari. This is a weird time to take an academic stand, UK. <laughs> John Calabari's never been on a hot seat, as hot as he currently is. And uh, with all the hype they had going into this season, you hate to see it, don't you, Hoosier fans? You hate to see Kentucky just take a roster hit like this two months before the season kicks off. No, you don't. You love it. <laughs> hey, uh, no, we don't even need you in our front court. Our front court is loaded, dog. Next story on the national stage where was uh, Jameer Young and Boo Booey both being named to as uh, preseason All-Americans. I believe it was third team, so don't get too excited. In some upsetting national basketball news, Team USA just lost to the Germans in the FIBA semifinals. Whatever you say, it's embarrassing. USA losing basketball is sad as hell. Pathetic, even. The, all these countries just picked the shit up like 10 years ago. We have, we are the NBA, like, it's crazy that USA basketball is in the state that it is. Yeah, you got these, uh, you you have your European dudes just taking the leap to the next level. Uh, seems like there's one or two on each of those teams. That being said, we should have seven or eight for every one of theirs. It's America. <laughs> Figure it out. Zach Eady and Team Canada also lost in the semifinals. 
Team USA needs to be on top in basketball at all costs. At all costs. Fix it. Is it still Coach K heading that shit? Heading that stuff up? Fix it. Earlier this week, uh, Nicole Arbach of The Athletic reported that the Big Ten will not be expanding beyond the 20-game regular season that they currently have. Now, following that report, she did update the story to uh, say that the league had just reached out to her to clarify that this is not 100% set in stone. But, I mean, 20-game regular season, play your rival twice, I guess. Only potential home and away might be your uh, most predominant rival. I don't hate it, but I don't like it. That's just, (laughs) there are some play like, there's no way there's going to be level schedules if that's the case. There's just far too many teams that playing them at home is going to be so much more difficult than playing them away. I mean, most cases in in the Big Ten is the home court advantage is so real. So real. But interesting to see how this is going to shake out. I can't imagine they're going to want to... I mean, these preseason multi-team events are becoming more and more predominant, and it's going to take more and more time up until the uh, conference seasons usually start. I mean, around New Year's or sometime. Just an interesting thing to keep your eye on for... Uh, Everyone who's invested in our uh, conference games, which is anybody listening to this. The Blue Ribbon Basketball Yearbook. The Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook was recently released, and it made some predictions for the Big Ten next year. It stated that uh, Penn State's ace Baldwin would be the uh, Big Ten newcomer of the year, and not Kalel Ware. So, I mean, shows how much you can trust this source. <laughs> he also stated the top three backcourts are currently Michigan State, Maryland and Northwestern and I mean regarding that with X out last year you can't argue that with these until our guy shows what he's got again went down so early didn't get a chance to show what he could do with uh, Trace Jackson Davis truly but here's hoping he can show it with what I believe is a deeper front court I mean that being said they uh, announced their top three front courts that being Purdue Indiana and Wisconsin for their all big 10 picks they had Zach Eady, Clifford Omorui, Terrence Shannon Jr., Boo Booey, and Jameer Young. I mean, that list checks out until one of our Hoosiers just propels themselves onto it. And lastly, for uh, just national news, I wanted to share my Big Ten Fan of the Week. This one coming to us from OC Fan TV. Now, that is OC as in uh, Orlando City, the soccer team. They had a man on the street, as a lot of these MLS teams do. Um... (laughs) And they ran into one Penn State fan that I just wanted to highlight for all of you guys. All right, first off, go Penn State because they're the greatest team ever. So I'm going to win the starting job in Green Bay. I don't even give a shit. You might, you might bring up Jerry Sandusky or whoever the fuck, but Penn State forever. Forever. God bless Pennsylvania. They're a piece of shit, but God bless them. That's from Pennsylvania. Somewhat. I'm adopted. I'm pretty sure I'm from fucking Cuba. Okay, yeah, I just, I just, uh, just found that little gem, um, just earlier today, and thought I wanted to share it with you guys. I mean, there's no Big Ten fan of the week. I might, uh, hey, you know what? If you find a funny Big Ten, <laughs> Big Ten fan out there, go ahead and send it to me at Often Daunted. It might be the Big Ten fan of the week. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Now, uh, without further ado, we'll get you into some Indiana news. That's why you're here, right? Before any basketball news on the Indiana front, I wanted to shout out some Indiana baseball news. Uh, Congrats 
to uh, 2019 Big Ten Pitcher of the Year, Andrew Salfrank, on getting the call up to the Diamondbacks. Hoosiers in the NBA, Hoosiers in the MLB, you'll love it. Speaking of Hoosiers in the MLB, the Phillies tweeted out this week, for his extraordinary character, community involvement, philanthropy, and positive contributions, both on and off the field, Kyle Schwarber is our 2023 Roberto Clemente Award nominee. Look at Indiana baseball. Well done, boys. Well done. On to some basketball. Well, I mean, that's why you're here. Of course. Of course. On to some basketball. Earlier this week, Mike Woodson spoke to Indiana getting back into the top-tier recruiting fights out there. Coach Woodson had said, When I took the job, I made it clear to my coaches that we deserve to sit at the table with the best players. And uh, you have to agree, with the top talent heavily involved in both last weekend and especially uh, this weekend, I think he's done just that. They, they, he's at the table. Now it's time to get some of them to sign on the dotted line, but uh, I mean, we're halfway there with them here. Get on campus. Bloomington's the best. I mean, you want evidence of it being the best last Labor Day weekend? It was a reunion in Bloomington as a bunch of Hoosiers came back in town. We saw Race, we saw Jalen, and we saw Trace. Uh, I believe Romeo Langford was also honored on the field. Mike Woodson is the type of coach that these guys want to be associated with. And he's making a program these players want to be associated with. Like, even long after they're done playing college ball. It's a great environment he's creating. It's an environment that these guys take pride in. The key to building a program is building a culture. And Mike Woodson is doing just that. Uh, yeah, speaking of Romeo Langford, per Alex Bozich... Uh, go check out the latest podcast on the brink. Uh, Alex had Jared Morris on. Great listen in the dog days here. Per Alex Bozich, uh, former Indiana guard Romeo Langford has agreed to a contract with the Utah Jazz. This uh, deal is an Exhibit 10 contract, which means the Jazz plan to bring Langford to training camp. It is at this time that if he doesn't make the roster, the Jazz would retain the rights for uh, his NBA G League rights if no other team wants to sign him. Anybody tuned in with the uh, Mark Titus show? As, I mean, if you aren't, you should be, um, was, uh, I mean, I don't mind Robbie Hummel. Robbie Hummel was a guest this week, and uh, he summed up the uh, IU rivalry history, the IU-Purdue rivalry history pretty well. And uh, he also summed up why it's better than ever. He's, he just said, for so long, when Indiana was good, Purdue was not. And when Purdue was good, Indiana is not. That, yeah, that... Uh, that pretty much sums up the last 20 years of it, right? I, I'd have to say so. But, but it was this quote that made me want to, for my segment coming up in the show, I wanted to take a look at what I believe are the five best Big Ten basketball rivalries and just share my thoughts on a few of each of them. Yeah, just share a few thoughts on each of them in other IU basketball-related news. Isaac Trotter from 24-7 Sports put out his Big Ten tiers report for this season. And I just thought here in the offseason, I can take the time to share no real weight reports like this one. In his report, Isaac Trotter placed the Hoosiers in the second tier of the Big Ten, with that tier two being middle of the pack with top four upside. That's the definition of it. And the definition of that being a team from this tier should have enough talent to make the NCAA tournament, but it has a few too many questions to be a championship contender. Fair. He, he went on to say, Indiana has a wide range of potential outcomes. The five-star talent is undeniable. The questions are endless. Indiana's point-of-attack defense should be brilliant with Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway hounding opposing ball handlers for all 94 feet. Preach. Preach that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what's going to happen, Isaac. Good research. Um, he continued, Johnson and Galloway are tone setters who will set the standard for the rest of the pack to follow on defense. He said, can Mackenzie Mbako guard threes? Can Malik Renew 
Kalel Ware, Peyton Sparks, and Anthony Walker combined to replace the production from IU legend Trace Jackson Davis and underappreciated grinder Race Thompson. That might be like the perfect <laughs> description of Race Thompson. Although with us, he was appropriately appreciated. On the national stage, definitely under. Isaac Trotter continued, IU figures to be dominant at home, and the raw frontcourt size should help the Hoosiers be a phenomenal rebounding team. It's easy to buy the notion that Johnson will quickly find his groove again in ball screens with all these talented bigs. Will that cover up the legitimate outside shooting concerns? We'll see. A breakout season from C.J. Gunn or Caleb Banks could be an enormous jolt and would change the complexion of this roster. Dude, straight up. God, Isaac Trotter does his research. I, I, I remember, like, grabbing all these quotes and, like, wanting to talk about them. But, God, he named the two guys that we really – a breakout season from either of those guys, and we are a contender. You can't tell me otherwise. If CJ's knocking down the three consistently, if he's creating his own shot and doing it, if Caleb Banks is able to uh, play – keep his feet under him. Uh, I mean, he's so athletic, it, it, it was – his game just wasn't ready yet. <laughs> if any of that can come to fruition, we're going to see some special things from this squad. I, I appreciate the observations made by anyone. Just, I mean, give me all your Indiana takes. I want to comb through them. I like them. Just, just in regards to this, I, I just thought, you know, race was appropriately, if not still overly appreciated in Indiana while he was here. He, uh, I, I also wanted to point out that Isaac Trotter unfortunately did have Wisconsin as a Tier 1 team. That seems like a national narrative regurgitation. I, I can't believe if you watched Wisconsin that you think they're like, something's going to change. They're going to be exactly what they were last year. Uh, all their players hit their ceiling. They're done. <laughs> Every, everyone returning, everyone returning has their games fleshed out as best they can on that squad. And there's no, there's no untapped potential like this Indiana Hoosiers team to point to. They were arguably dookie last season. And I cannot get over the hype that some people have for this Wisconsin team. I just can't. I, I, I cannot wrap my brain around it. Another shout out to Alex Bozic, uh, who just I just saw that he posted that the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame uh, has unveiled two bobbleheads commemorating the career of Bobby Knight. It's a bobby head, people. The National Bobblehead Hall of Fame said, We're excited to team up with Knight Legacy to create these bobbleheads celebrating the legendary coach. One of the most successful coaches in history in the history of college basketball, and we think fans will love to see these new bobbleheads. Yeah, there's your bobblehead news, people. <laughs> now, for some Indiana recruiting news. Let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the weekends we had, people. Indiana had three visits two weekends ago. Well, last weekend. Look, yeah, week one of football. <laughs> it was uh, a party of 2025 prospects with three five with five star guards, Jalen Harrelson and Darius Adams, while also hosting four star center Malachi Moreno. Oh, I mean, win over OSU, and you have three commitments. If you ask me, if IU beats Ohio State, <laughs> we have three commitments that night, right? It would be the most legendary party. In Bloomington. Good luck saying no to that. Unfortunately, they didn't get that, so we'll see how those commitments go. As for this last weekend, it was a case of, I mean, hey, finger to the ear. The Eagles have landed. As Montverde was visiting Indiana. Curtis Givens, Derek Queen, and Liam McNeely all looked so good in those candy stripes, man. Oh, each of them just have a, have a little flair of their own on those videos. I'm, not, I'm never not going to be excited about these, <laughs> these commitment videos. They're fire. And I mean, Liam McNeely with the Whataburger flag, if you haven't seen him, 
Just go daydream about those guys suiting up for your Hoosiers next year. As for when we can expect some of those commitments to come, the only one that we really have a word of when to expect something is Liam McNeely. Liam McNeely had uh, spoke with Samar Hines of Grind Hoops Sports or GrindHoops.com last week, and it was there he said, I plan on visiting Kansas this weekend. That was uh, September 1st. Indiana next weekend, and Texas the uh, next next weekend. He continued on to say, I plan to commit before the high school season starts. Looking into their schedule from last season, uh, it started on November 15th. So it can come any time until then, but a little firmer date has been set for uh, Indiana target Jaden Mustaf, who will be making his announcement on September 14th. So we will know where Jaden Mustaf is going by the time of my next recording. I hope to God you guys are tuning in. I will bring that to you. Absolutely no worries there. No, nobody left with a commitment. All these guys still have more visits. Yeah, we need we need one of these signings. I we need a commitment soon. Yeah, it, it sounds like the the uh, commitment season is starting, so we should see something. Man, all you can do as a Hoosier fan is just cross your fingers, say your prayers each night, people. The power of prayer. Let's go. That's all I've got you. That's all I've got for you on the Indiana front. After this word from our sponsors, I just uh, wanted to talk some Big Ten rivalries. I wanted to talk about the uh, top five in my eyes currently, and we'll get into that right after this. Thank you so much for listening to the Often Daunted podcast, guys. I am working with you. I am working in partnership with Big Banter Sports. If you haven't given them a follow, go ahead and uh, hit them up at Big Banter Sports. Having a lot of fun, doing a lot of graphic design for the website. Um, starting up writing soon again. I really, I really enjoy writing, and uh, it'll just be a fun outlet being able to post. Uh, I'm covering Indiana basketball for Big Banter Sports. Uh, yeah. Hope you guys don't hate my opinions there too much. If you haven't given them a follow, do. If you haven't given me a follow, add Often Daunted on everything, please do. God bless y'all. Thanks. All right, without further ado, let's get into some Big Ten basketball rivalries, y'all. Starting off my top five. Now, now, when I say Big Ten rivalries, I'm not talking Big Ten, Big Ten, because some of these Big Ten schools, they're losers. They don't have any real bad blood in conference, and they have to go elsewhere. These basketball rivalries are no different. So uh, to start this off, I'm going to say I respect, and I think it's a good, it's a fun rivalry. My number five, the Creighton-Nebraska basketball rivalry. Series goes back to uh, 1923. After a 40-year drought in which they didn't play, they reconvened an annual matchup for uh, 43 seasons following that, and that's where we currently are. Creighton laying claim to eight of the last ten. I think Creighton's heading into the season like our top ten ranked team. I mean, Creighton Creighton having eight of the last ten has just been a story of these two teams over the past decade. I guess more. I mean, yeah, Creighton wins this rivalry lately. I, I, I just like, I just wanted to throw it on this list because I like the fan dynamic of it. You see a lot, a lot of Creighton basketball fans, a lot of Creighton college students are Nebraska football fans. Uh, they're, they're just neighbors, guys. And without a basketball or without a football team to cheer on themselves, a lot of them do support the uh, Huskers. It's an interesting dynamic, <laughs> and uh, I just thought it was worth sharing. My number five rivalry or number four rivalry. Sorry, it's a bit of a new one, but I'm going to say the Maryland Rutgers rivalry. I will say no longer the new kids on the block. This one has a chance to really take off here. I- I'm putting it on this list. Not for what it is, but for its potential. With the hyped recruits heading into both programs, uh, we could see some really great games coming from this one. 
both I mean, both programs have to be kindred spirits and joining the conference together while also being the East Coast outsiders in the last 10 of the rivalry. Maryland leads 6-4, to four. and in the total series, this easily being the shortest rivalry on this list, Maryland leads Rutgers 13-7. to seven. I wanted to uh, shout out this rivalry on the list because it basically takes place on another planet than the rest of the Big Ten. Two populations entirely different than the Midwest, Midwestern regions just battling it out there. And again, it's on this list for what that rivalry could become if they get the players that uh, many assume they are. My third current uh, Big Ten rivalry, again, I'm going outside conference. I'm going Wisconsin and Marquette. Marquette owned the history throughout the 70s, uh, winning at one time 15 straight matchups. 15, sorry. It was at this point that Wisconsin then flipped the script, winning a few back themselves. At this time, they were, they are, I mean, it's even. uh, Splitting six of the last matchups since 2017. All time, Wisconsin leads the rivalry 70 to 59. That being said, it's got to be a tense rivalry. You don't play a team 139 times and not develop some kind of hatred. The battle for Wisconsin is your number three. My number two rivalry is the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. This one being the only other two true two-state school state in the Big Ten. Um, not, I mean, Illinois has Northwestern, but it's a private school who is shit at sports. I mean, they recently had a good year. <laughs> but as much as Illinois has probably won that matchup, you can't really call that a rivalry. Michigan and Michigan State, two of the most uh, prestigious athletic departments in the Big Ten. Series dates back to 1909. Amongst the two schools, you have 18 Final Four appearances. You have three national titles. And while Michigan's rivalry is all Ohio State on the football side, in basketball, it has to be Michigan uh, Michigan State. I mean, Tom Izzo has no love for that team. He has a quote here. Do I respect John Beeline? Tremendously. Do I respect Michigan? Tremendously. Do I like them? Not one bit. I don't like anything about Michigan and they don't like anything about us and that's the way it should be sports is fun when we kind of hate each other a little bit we're all in we're all in agreement it's okay to hate here when you're talking rivalries hate is okay Michigan dominated the history of this uh battle up until the uh 80s in which Michigan State started taking more and more the all-time total the all-time series total has uh has Michigan leading it 97 to 88. That being said, Michigan State has tore it up in their route in uh, trying to make that up. As if Michigan's not careful, Michigan State will definitely be taking this series in a decade's time. Is that my guess? So, yeah, there's your number two Big Ten uh, rivalry right now. I'd like to keep it in conference up here with the Elite Two uh, rivalries. That being said, we all know number one, guys. We all know number one. Talk about history. This one started in 1901, Indiana-Purdue. Objectively, the games are played in two of the four greatest college basketball environments. I'm not going to say which one is better. Obviously, it's not really all. Only, this is the only rivalry last season where both teams got double buys in conference tourney. I mean, the Gene Keady and the Bobby Knight bouts were just absolutely legendary. Now, while, while the Michigan State and Michigan rivalry has more Final Fours between them, uh, with 10 Final Four shared between Indiana and Purdue. That, that's nothing to shake. I mean, that's something to be proud of there for sure. Of course, Indiana has earned the rivalry four since Purdue last earned their second at two. 
Don't ever let anyone forget that when discussing our histories. Don't let them forget when they want to talk about how we talk about their history, about how we talk about our history. Don't let them forget since the last time they made the Final Four, we've been there four times. There's so so much bad blood in this one. You have uh, Isaiah Thomas punching Roosevelt Barnes. You have Bobby Knight throwing the chair. Purdue beating Steve Alford and holding him to a single point in the first half. Plenty of stories abound throughout this. In my humble opinion, it's going to take a few more years, but I really think that this rivalry could overtake Duke-UNC. Of course, I'm an optimistic idiot, guys, but I really do think it. Now that everyone is spending money, and not just Duke being able to do private school bullshit, there's no better time for the Indiana-Purdue rivalry to take precedent. In 49 states, it's just basketball, guys. <laughs> we need to take that top spot. We need to work with our Purdue brothers to make these games absolute must-watch events. Right now, the programs are looking good. They're on the right trajectory to make that happen. Sadly, Purdue leads this series all-time, 125-90. to Also, that being said, Indiana has won two of the last two. I provide the stats I want on my own show, guys. Indiana's on the trend up. Purdue, they're going to be a, I mean, stalwart as ever. This rivalry is trending up, and I'm here for it. It's it's going to be better each year because I, I, I really think the programs are going to be in great positions. Uh, Indiana's getting themselves there. I mean, Duke UNC is so hard to take, <laughs> take down. It's like the all-time rivalry of rivalries. But here's hoping, guys. It's going to take all of us just being absolute lunatics about it. Not too big of a segment for you. <laughs> just wanted to uh, give you a fun little list here. Uh, it's the offseason, guys. I'm hoping we have a commitment and I can just wax poetic on one of those guys for a good 30 minutes. But until that time, alas, this is what you got. We're going to get you a Who's Your History hit, and then we'll get you on out of here, folks. This is your Who's Your History hit. With my Hoosier history hit for this week, I wanted to take some time to shine a light on the World War II efforts of some of those in Bloomington. This isn't going to be a long one. I know I've had you guys slog through some, but uh, just really quick, I just have three things I wanted to discuss about Indiana University's part in the world in the World War. Yeah, in the in World War II. Sorry, Jesus. In 1943, IU officials began a U.S. Army training program for Army specialized training in order to house an influx of potential soldiers for the war effort. Indiana fraternities were leased out as barracks. By the time it was closed, the program trained 5,000 Hoosier men and women. The uh, wartime contributions weren't limited to uh, just those training for uh, Army service. Civilians also did their part as well. In 1943, the university plowed nine and a half acres of land east of Jordan Avenue, now Eagleson Avenue. These are where uh, Indiana University placed the Victory Gardens, feeding local population to send more resources to the front line. Also, each Saturday and Sunday during the war, hundreds of IU students would travel to the Crane Naval Ammunition Depot west of Bedford to sort shell casings for recycling. That's it, folks. Just wanted to share, uh, yeah, just just some of the cool things Indiana was doing to uh, make sure that we kicked Hitler's ass. And with that, we've come to the end of the Often Daunting. Thank you all so much. I'll be back here next week. I'm, I, I know I took Labor Day off. I apologize. I thank you all for coming back. Um... Other than that, there has been no weeks off, guys. And uh, with this basketball season coming up, I am excited. Just got in contact with several of the uh, other basketball podcasts here on the uh, Big Banter Sports. 
and uh, looking forward to having some cool collaborations with some of those uh, enemy podcasts down the line. So stick around for that. If you haven't subscribed, please do. Uh, feel free to follow me on everything at Often Daunted. Again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for telling your friends about the idiot you listen to weekly. God bless you. Who's your fans? Take it easy. <laughs>